Welcome. We come in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come to proclaim His praise. And we come with His instructions. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Tell all who are in the church, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to turn you to Scripture. Uh, I'm doing something that is probably not usual for Scripture readings. I'm going to be reading from three passages and hinting it to some more passages of Scripture as part of the sermon today. And so I want to turn you to chapter 37 of Genesis. And I want to read the first 11 verses. Genesis 37, chapter 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to his father. Now Israel had loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. We'll talk about that. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers. And they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please, hear this dream which I have dreamed. There, were, there we were, binding our sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaves stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves... Stood, around all, stood all around and bowed down to my sheep, sheep. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. And then he dreamed still another dream. And he told it to his brothers and he said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. And he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to, you, to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. That far from this, we'll go back to it as we come to the sermon and go to explain it some more. I'd like to turn you to Genesis chapter 39. To 238, rather, excuse me. No, 239. Excuse me, I want to go back to the second half of chapter 37 and then to chapter 39. Sometimes my penmanship is hard to read. Beginning at verse 12 of chapter 37 and then going to chapter 39. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And so he said, Here I am. Then he said, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and then bring back word to me. 
So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? He said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. The man said, They have departed from here. I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Now when they saw him far off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Look, the dreamer is coming. Come now for let us kill him and cast him into some pit and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. But Reuben heard it and he delivered him from out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness and don't lay a hand on him. He said that so he might deliver him from their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors. Again, we'll talk about that. And they took him and they cast him into a pit. Now the pit was empty. There was no water in it. It was a cistern. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked and there was a company of Ishmaelites, Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices and balm and myrrh on their way down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let our hand, not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. The Midianite traders came by, and so his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit. And indeed Joseph was not in the pit. And he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers saying, The lad is not there anymore. Where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic. They killed a kid of the goats. Dipped the tunic in blood. And they sent the tunic of many colors which they had brought. And they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has torn him. Without Joseph's, without a doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. And Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his waist and mourned for his son for many days. And all his sons and daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, For I shall go down to the grave in, to my son in mourning. And his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. What I want to do is I want to take this passage, look at it, take chapter 39 and look at that. And then I want to talk about what happens after that, chapter 40 and 41. And in the course of that, I want you to keep in mind that the overall theme of this passage and this sermon is we know that all things must work together for good to those who love God to those who are the core, called according to his purpose. So God's purpose is good. And that's what we're being told about. Now, history in the Bible is God's word. The history is what God has been doing and is doing. And it constitutes examples for us. But that's not the point of this message, what the Bible is about history. 
The point is that is what God uses history to teach us in His will and in His work. So what I'm interested in is not so much exegeting all of the points of the history, but the things of the history, so that we see what's happening and how God's using it. Uh, I would not mind coming back for, oh, maybe six weeks, three hours a night, uh, at least uh, three hours, one night a week, and going through the history of this passage. It's a wonderful history to read. But I think that would be too much for this morning. So I'd like to turn then to that. First point, the prophecy to Joseph. And then what happens to that prophecy. Second point is the testing of Joseph. The testing of his faith. And third is the promise comes to a head in a way that surprises even Joseph. Now Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob. That puts him far down the line in who's going to be taking over the family. And he's, uh, well, his father loves him. And his father made him, well, made him his emissary. And so in verse uh, 3 of chapter 37, uh, when Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, sons of Silpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them. So Joseph was sent out, and they understood that he was going to report to their father. And he reported. And they didn't like the report. Jacob didn't like the report. But you see, Jacob had done something else too. And the text doesn't put this in exact order. Joseph was more loved by his father than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. Well, you might say, well, Benjamin should be the the chair, the, the joy, because he was his last son. But Benjamin's birth was the cause of Rachel's death. And so it wasn't really a good memory. Yes, he loved Benjamin. But he loved Rachel more. Sometimes thinking about somebody's death is not a good thing. Uh, I have experienced that in my life. My first name is Jay. In World War II, Jay was a sergeant in my father's unit who died in my father's arms in a strafing run. Edward is my middle name. Edward was my my mother's second brother. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt had said that uh, nobody under under 19 would even see combat, but he was uh, three weeks under 19 when he died on Iwo Jima. And so I was named to memorialize the dead. And it took me years to realize that the reason my father kind of winced when he said my name was because he had to remember things he didn't want to remember. I think the same thing was true with Jacob okay, and Benjamin. He loved Benjamin, but he had to remember something he didn't want to remember. But what he did for Joseph was he gave him a special coat. I won't go into the Hebrew of it. The Greeks and the Septuagint could have not imagined how, why the Hebrew would say a coat that came to the flats. So they modified one of the letters in Hebrew, which you can do too often. And they came up with a coat of many colors. Now I have no respect for Joseph's brothers at all. Please. But I doubt that if their father had given him a brand new sport coat, 
or gave him an outfit that looked like one of the kings, that they would have cared a rip. What he did was he gave him a robe that came to the flats. If you go to certain parts of uh, the Middle East now and you're out in the desert and you come upon a group of people who don't have any uh, people living around them and a man comes out and he's wearing a robe that comes to the palms of his hands and to the soles of his feet, that's the boss. That was the sign of the head of the tribe. Jacob had taken his 11th son and declared him to be the next head of the tribe and his brothers hated him. Now, Reuben by this time had already done things that uh, got him, who was the firstborn, uh, on his father's blacklist. Simeon and Levi will do it in the next chapters. Judah will do it in chapter 38. But uh, the demonstration was that Jacob had thought about this and he knew his brothers, he knew his sons, and he decided that he was going to put Joseph in that place. And what he did was he made Joseph hated. So Joseph was going to have to live with his brothers hating him. Now Joseph had a dream. And in the dream, they were binding sheaves. His sheaf stood up, the eleven sheaves bowed down to it. And he told his brothers, remember what his father had just declared he would be? And his brothers hated him? Now Joseph is saying, I believe that. I'm not sure whether they believed he had had the dream from God or not, but this is what I'm dreaming. I expect this. And they hated him. Then he had another dream. And this time the moon and sun and and 11 stars bowed down to him. And his brothers were even more mad. And he told it to his father. And his father rebuked him and said, Are your mother and I going to bow down to you along with your brothers? Where did you get this nonsense? But Jacob kept that in his mind. Because Jacob was from a family where the elder was serving the younger. And he was the grandson of the elder of the the younger who was being served by the elder. And so this wasn't something he thought was necessarily bad. But it was unusual. And in the society it was unheard of. So the brothers go out to feed the flock. They go out to feed the flock and they go to Shechem. Remember that Jacob had lived in Shechem? And that his daughter Dinah had gone and gotten trouble into trouble in Shechem? And the uh, prime minister, of, well, the, the next in line of Shechem, took shine to her and wanted her after he had abused her. And the brothers didn't like that at all. And the father and son came out to talk to, ja- to Jacob about it. And Jacob made an agreement with them. And then he sent them away. And then the brothers came back and they found out what Jacob had done. And they decided that the only good thing to do was to make it look better at the end. So they lied to the men of Shechem. They said, if you become part of us, we'll let you have her. To become part of them, as so we talked about. Uh, in Sunday school, they had to be circumcised. That's not pleasant. Probably not even for a baby, but I don't remember it in mine. But I can imagine it in a man. And on the third day, when they were all in such pain and uh, suffering that they couldn't fight, Simeon and Levi and probably the others went into town 
and killed every man and took every man and child captive, sold them as slaves. So Shechem had been depopulated. Now it became a city again because the town hadn't been ruined. So people moved in and they were a profit-making society, mercantile. So Jacob's flocks would do well being sold there. So he sent his men there to be beside them so they could see the flocks and the flocks could feed there and they would know that they would be available for sale. But it didn't turn out that way. So they went over to Dothan. And as they went to Dothan, they got there and Jacob sent Joseph to find out how they were doing. So Joseph went. When the brothers saw him coming, Joseph probably had seen the flocks from further away than they could see him. But as he came up, they saw him. I propose to you that if he had a coat of many colors, that would have kind of blended into the dust. Okay? And they wouldn't have noticed much. But they did notice that this coat was dragging on the ground and that his arms were covered. And so so they said, it is the dreamer. He's coming. Let's get rid of him and see how his dreams will come true if we kill him. Well, they decided not to do that. Uh, They threw him in a pit instead. Reuben insisted on it. It was good. Reuben had an idea. Reuben was going to come back and take him out and send him back to his father. Uh, the brothers probably said, yeah, you know, we don't have to kill him. Let's not have our head, our blood, his blood on our heads. We're just going to throw him in there and let him die of thirst and hunger because he can't climb out. But as they sat down to eat, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites. And they knew by the camels that they were on their way to Egypt to sell things. They said, Hmm, maybe they'd like to take something else to sell. And so they offered to sell him Joseph. And they bought him for 20 shekels of silver. The Midianites took him and sold him to Potiphar in Egypt. Joseph is 17, maybe 18 by this point. Joseph has those dreams in mind and he knows what the promises have been made. He knows what his father has declared him to be. He's had the dreams. Jacob set him up in one sense. Jacob gave him the coat to emphasize what was going on. Joseph seems to have enjoyed it. Uh, He seems to have told his brothers with a little bit of relish, this is what I'm going to be. And so Joseph's lack of humility and lack of recognizing this was God's plan uh, makes him Odious, odious to his brothers and his brothers want to kill him and you can just think sitting down at the bottom of that pit uh, how is what God gave me in the dream going to come to pass what have I done to deserve this all I did was tell people what God told me but there must have been in it as there would have been in me and probably in most of us just a little bit of Eh, see what's going to happen you're going to lose on this and I'm going to gain and they hated him Joseph had done that to himself so the brothers instead of killing him Judah comes and says why don't we kill him let's not have his blood on our hands let's sell him into Egypt he won't last long as a slave down in Egypt they'll kill him 
That's not our fault. So they did. And then they lied to their father about it. You'll notice that they're clever in the lie. Uh, They took the coat and they dipped it in blood and they took it to their father and they said, do you recognize your son's coat? He said, yes. And they didn't say any more. It's Jacob who said, oh, a wild beast has caught him and killed him and torn him to pieces. Now he's dead. And they didn't say, no, we did it. So now the animosity is building up and Joseph is in more trouble in his mind. He's been sold as a slave. What's going to happen? If I return you into... uh, Well, just remind you of what happens in chapter 28. Chapter 28, Judah's wife dies. After his sons die, God kills them all for their sins. Uh, And uh, Judah decides that uh, he's going to go out and and shear sheep with one of his servants. And they are walking out and they pass what looks like the tent of a cult prostitute. And Judah says, not a bad idea. And so he goes in. Now the prostitute would have had her face covered, probably nothing else, but had her face covered. And uh, he goes in and she says to him, what are you going to give me? Because she should be doing this for the prophetess, for the priestess. Okay? And she should be doing it for that, so she's going to take anything she's given and give it to the priestess. And he says, I don't have anything with me now, but I'll send you a goat later today. She said, okay. He goes up to the flock, takes the servant and says, take the goat back to her. There's no tent. There's no prostitute. She lied to him. She tricked him. But Judah has just gone in and impregnated his son's wife. And God says, I will hold you guilty for that. So Judah's got problems. Joseph so far looks like the best of the bunch, even though his pride is a little too much. Joseph went down to Egypt. Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, this is beginning in chapter 39, saw him, bought him, but the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man as he, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master watched him work and said, this guy's good. This guy can manage people. This guy can make good decisions. I'm going to use him. And as he got better at it, he said, I'm going to let him do everything. I'm just going to relax. I'm going to sit here with my feet up and he can do all the work. And Joseph was not bad with that. It's not as bad as it was. I'm certainly not in a pit. I'm certainly not dying. Uh, I do have some respect. I'm not what God said, but it could be worse. And then Potiphar's wife decides to try to seduce him. And he rejects it. And he rejects it off, rejects her often enough that she finally gets mad at him and she explodes and she decides she's going to show him. So she comes after him and she grabs his clothes and he leaves part of his clothing there with her and she takes it she waits until her husband comes home and she says see what he did to me and Potiphar says hmm can't have this in my house so Potiphar who's an officer in the Pharaoh's army uh, takes him to the prison and sticks him in the prison now Joseph has said it was getting better and now it's getting worse What's God doing to me? What's going on here? I don't understand. 
And he gets to the prison, and the jailer looks at him and watches him like Potiphar did. And the jailer says, this guy can do everything I need him to do. And so he puts him in charge of everything that goes on in the jail. Who eats what, where the food comes from, when it's served, who's in the what, what cell. And he's got rank again. And he's not, well, he's a prisoner technically, but practically no, he's in charge of the jail. And he's probably saying to himself, well, it's not what God said, but it's better than what was. I guess maybe I should be content. Not sure he was really content, however. And then after a while, chapter 40 comes along, and uh, two men get Pharaoh mad at them, the butler and the baker. And the butler has a dream, and the baker has a dream. And the butler's dream is he had, let's see, There were three branches, as in my dream, there was a vine and three branches were before me. And each had clusters of grapes, and the clusters brought forth grapes, ripe grapes, and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I shook the fourth, the clusters, and, and those clusters I made and pressed into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Now, Joseph had had dreams. Now, these men have dreams. And they're weeping. The baker's worried about the fact that he had a dream and he had three baskets of bread on his head and as he walked along, the birds ate all the bread. And they come and they're just sad and Joseph comes in in the morning and says, "Uh, what's the matter? You guys are real down today. We had dreams and there's nobody here to interpret the dreams. There was a whole group of people in Pharaoh's Egypt that were supposed to be able to interpret dreams. But we can't get them. We're in jail and they won't come here. So who's going to help us? We, we, we're, we're completely lost. Joseph says, uh, interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me. So they tell him the dreams. Joseph says, three, bath, uh, three clusters, three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and he'll put his cup in his hand again. The baker sees that and says, oh, they're good answers. Pharaoh, uh, Joseph says, three baskets, three days. Three days, Pharaoh's going to take your head off you. Came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast. And it came to pass. Now Joseph had said to the butler, when this comes to pass, don't forget me. So now here's Joseph, and he's uh, probably thoroughly confused at this point. God had said he was going to be king of his people. God had said it was going to be good for him. And then his brothers tried to kill him, and then they sent him into slavery, and now nobody loved him, and then suddenly the, the Potiphar loved him, and then he went to prison here, and nobody loved him, and now suddenly everybody loves him. Okay? And he's confused about what this is. He's not looking at what God's doing and saying, God's dealing with me, and he's training me for something. He's teaching me. When I stray away, he teaches me. If I can use a, an example. Um, Why did your teachers in school give you bad grades? Well, for that matter, why did they give you tests? They were trying to teach you something. They figured you didn't know all the answers. They wanted you to study and learn the answers. And if you didn't, you got reprimanded. I got a lot of those little red F's on the top of my algebra tests. 
What were they trying to do to me? Did the, did the teacher hate me? No. He was trying to tell me you've got something you've got to learn. And I can discipline you this way to get you to learn it. So God's doing that to Joseph. He's taking Joseph and he's saying to Joseph, the uh, lack of humility that you had with your brothers, you've got to learn what that brings. It brings hatred for you. And that hatred is going to hurt. And so it hurts Joseph. He gets into the pit. His brothers hate him. If they decide they're going to sell him as a slave, Joseph may have said, well, that's a little bit of a relief. It wasn't. It wasn't intended to be. It was intended to prolong the test. So Joseph goes there and he does pretty well in Potiphar's house. And then along comes Potiphar's wife. Because God's saying to Joseph, you still haven't learned the lessons. Now you're going to get this lesson. You could have been more circumspect. You could have been more clear. But the fact that I set you here is I'm telling you, you're not done yet. Even if you're getting an A in this course, you're not done yet. So he goes to jail. And the same thing happens to jail. And he gets to the point where he starts getting good grades, if you'll pardon the expression, in jail. And God says to him, you're not done yet. Then come the two dreamers. And Joseph is able to interpret the dreams. And Joseph has probably said, so long. See, I can do this, and I guess that's as good enough. And, but he's still not convinced that he's learned all of his lessons, and God certainly isn't either, because he gives him more. God's prophecy is going to come to pass. What God has planned for us is going to come to pass. Come to pass. Sometimes smoothly, sometimes not. Like Joseph. Sometimes smoothly, sometimes not. Sold to slavery. I knew of a man. He's still alive right now. He happens to be in the hospital facing uh, surgery. Um, I knew him. He had a heart attack. And they've got to replace blood vessels. They're going to have a hard time replacing blood vessels. When he was born, his legs were deformed. He doesn't have legs. So they're going to figure out how to do this. He had been an elder in the church. There's more for him to learn. There's more for us to learn as we look at him. And we see what God has done. Pain, you have a hurt, you get injured in something, break a leg. God does that to you to tell you something about yourself. You have a fight with somebody, maybe you're not the guilty party. God does that to you to tell you you've got more to learn. Things to do. Things about yourself. You have cancer. Is that the end of things? You're going to give up because you've got cancer and you can't possibly survive the cancer? Hmm. I didn't realize that death was the end of things. I thought the death of Christians was the entrance into heaven. It was a good thing. How do you look at those things if they come into your life? How do you look at something like the turning 75 like I have or will? Uh, and you realize that you can't do the things you used to do. 
Disappointed? Lord, I can't even change the oil in my car anymore. What am I going to do? God says, I have, I have something for you. I'll take care of it. And He provides a means. He does that for all of us. We should say that God has chosen this for my good. <coughs> to rest, to, to restrain my sins and to prepare me for a different task. All this is good. Oh, I don't think it's good because it's not what I wanted. It's not what I had dreamed of or not what I had planned. And I want you to see that's what's happening to Joseph here. Now, God has given him dreams and he said the dreams are going to come true. But Joseph is trying to figure out how they're going to come true and he's doing the same things we would do. This isn't going to work. How's this possibly going to work? I can be diligent. I can be my master's best man. I can do all kinds of things capably. I can do uh, things uh, that, that are good for the, the family, good for the house. But God's not going to let me stay here. Here's Potiphar's wife. He tries to get away from her, but he can't. And Potiphar sends him to prison. It was all going better, but now it's going bad again. I'm in jail. And as he gets into jail, he discovers that there are things there that in jail, in jail that he can do. Joseph does right and good in, in the jail. And so there's some comfort and some success and some respect and maybe a little pride. But lies have destroyed him when he did right in Potiphar's house. Now he's going to be given a different test. Potiphar's wife gaslighted him. She accused him of something he didn't do. And she provided evidence for it and she lied about it. And God used that terrible thing, and it's terrible, trust me, to teach Joseph something. You're not done yet. You haven't learned your lessons yet. You haven't done the things that I wanted you to do yet. You're not ready for the task that I have set for you. So he goes to jail. It's kind of like other things that happen. I'd use David as an example here. Absalom murders his brother Amnon because Absalom had abused his sister. And uh, David gets after Absalom. And he sends Absalom away. He could have executed him, but he sends him away. Well, Absalom goes away and David doesn't chase him down. But then Joab brings Absalom back. And David forgives him. And then Absalom goes and he starts to rebel against David to take over being king. David, you didn't do the job I told you to do. Now you're going to suffer more till you do the job I told you to do. And David doesn't get to do the job he told him to do because uh, Joab does it for him and Absalom is dead. David is rescued in God's providence. But he hasn't learned his lesson. Those lessons are going to continue until we learn them, even if we learn them in glory. God has given Joseph a new position in the jail, but God still leaves him without the trust that uh, God's plan is still going to come. How can I be king if I'm in jail? 
Even if I'm running the jail, how can I be king? Joseph, however, doesn't waver. He says, I'll still do what's right. I'll still try to do the things that are good. Okay? God does this to many of us. He gives us what seems to be partial fulfillment of the gifts He's given us. Because He's still withholding more for us to be trained more. I suppose I need to say it to all of you. Are you still breathing? God's not done with you yet. He's going to continue to work with you. He's still going to continue to confront your sins. He's going to continue to build up your faith in Him and your trust in Him. You could look at Gideon for that, for example. Gideon is promised by God that he's going to be used to repel the Amalekites. And he has 32,000 men come. Good army. But God says, anybody who's afraid, send him home. So 22,000 go home. Now there's 120,000 men in that army that he's going to face. And 32,000 wasn't much. 10,000 is now what's left. This is terrible. God says, this is too many. He gives him a test. And Gideon winds up with 300 men. And Gideon is told, trust me. And he goes with the servant down the night before the attack is supposed to come. And what they hear is a guy coming out of the tent uh, coming on duty, talking to the guy who's been on duty. And they're talking about how everybody in camp is scared to death of Gideon and his 300 men. And Gideon wins. Because Gideon says, well, if I was doubtful before and God says this, and even the Midianites, or the, the Midi- I think it's Midianites, uh, even they think it's going to happen, I guess we got to go. So God's promise for Joseph comes to a head. The prisoner's dream. And Joseph is there and he could say to them, I must not be good at interpreting dreams because I interpreted those two dreams and they didn't come true. But instead he says, no, God has given me that and I'm going to do it. So he tells the butler, three days and you'll be serving the king again in his presence. He tells the baker, three days and you'll be dead. And it happens. And he told the butler, when it happens, don't forget me. But the butler does. Two years later, Pharaoh has dreams. And I won't go through those dreams. Maybe we'll do that another time. Pharaoh has dreams. And the butler finally says, all of the men of Egypt who are supposed to interpret dreams can't handle these dreams. Uh, he covers them. But there was somebody in jail who did. And so it's the Pharaoh. There was a guy in jail when I was in jail and he told me what you were going to do to me and you did it. Maybe he can help. And so Joseph goes and he explains the dreams. And then he gives Pharaoh a piece of advice. And Pharaoh looks at the advice and says, if God told you this already and you know this already, then you're probably the guy that I should put in charge of doing what needs to be done. And Joseph is now, instead of number two in Potiphar's house, instead of number two in the prison, he's number two in Egypt. And he might have gotten complacent. 
But for another time, I want to tell you, he did. He got complacent, and it wasn't right. He got complacent, and God put him through one more test. And it was probably the toughest of the tests. But what I wanted to get across to you today is that no matter where you are, and no matter what you're doing, and no matter how progress, how much you're progressing, God's still going to be training you to do more. God's still going to be training you to do more. You're looking and saying, I've become a good Christian. The neighbors know that I'm a Christian. Does everybody in town know you're a Christian? How about your children? How about your relatives? God's going to put more on your plate to do it. And you're going to think, it's never going to end. Oh, it will end. It'll end with God being glorified in you. And that's the message I wanted you to get. Because, as I said, I wanted you to remember... All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And you may think that everything's going wrong, but it's not. You may think that it's something that's just absolutely terrible. But His discipline is going to keep on you until you become what He wants. Or until He's decided He's done with you and takes you to glory. That's what's going to happen to you. Now you look at it and say, how is that going to apply to me? Well, look at the politics around you. (coughs) Look at the society around you. Look at what's going on in the nation. Look at what's happening in your life. Maybe at work. God's not going to let you go. He's going to continue working with you. Disciplining you. Training you. That's the demonstration that He hasn't forgotten you. But He's going to care for you. He doesn't let you go. Baptism. We talk about baptism. What's the symbol of? God's promise that He's not going to let you go. He's going to continue to discipline you. Sometimes it'll bring you to salvation. Sometimes it won't. But it's not going to stop. So I want you to keep that in mind as you look at Joseph and as think about him. What God is doing with it. All of the things that happened to Joseph are designed to remind you that God is still preparing to train you and me until the end. Bow with me in prayer. Lord, we look at the world around us and we look at our lives and we say, what is it that you are doing? How come things are going bad in the country? How come things are going bad in my life? How come these bad things are happening? Illnesses in the family and the children misbehaving or the children being ill. Why? The answer is because I'm training you. I'm training you to trust me. I'm training you to love me. I'm training you to serve me. Remember that. And praise God that you have not been forgotten but are being trained. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen.